Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to The Middle with your host, Holly Azapati and Jordana Levine. And it's our second last ep today, so we are covering as many of your episode requests as possible, from your spiritual queries to dating and love and everything in between. Jord guesses the natal chart of a selling sunset star, and we wrap things up talking our fave middle moments. Cue vitamin C music. As we go... My head was like vitamin C supplement. I'm like, what is the music for such a vitamin? Such a vitamin. I can't believe it, George. When we announced that we were ending the middle, I didn't think it would come around this quick. I know. It came around really fast, didn't it? It's sort yeah. of like, it's so bittersweet because there's part of me that's just like, oh, I just want to keep doing this forever. And then there's also a part of me that's like, I'm so excited to get Friday mornings back. all of the the things we can do with this lot of time but I'm the same as you do you know what though I think it's a good thing like wrapping it up on this high and I'm excited about this app like really excited because we're going to rapid fire answer pretty much every topic question you guys have asked in the Facebook group so we're covering everything today yeah (laughs) we're going to do our best to cover everything I I think I got most things Things that I didn't get, we've definitely done big, juicy episodes on. Yeah. So when you're missing us, you can go back through the archives and and listen. Yeah. Do we just get straight into it, Jord? Yeah, let's get straight into it. I'm gonna I'm gonna fire a question at you, Hole. Please. Um, and then we can riff on it for a bit. Let's start with um, the question was what we do to get in touch with the spiritual. And I mean, we talk about this a lot on the podcast, obviously. Um, but you know, tarot versus Oracle, uh, crystals, any powerful objects or practices. It's a very broad question. I like the broadness. (laughs) If you had to, if you had to kind of boil it down into a a short and sharp answer, what would you say? I guess for me, it's what my spiritual routine looks like at the moment. And we, I know Jordan and I were both pensions for a nice routine, a little bit of structure. Um, I dance in and out of the spiritual tools and practices that I use. At the moment, what that looks like is I meditate every day and I journal off the back of my meditation because what I find is once I've kind of sat in that space of introspection and clear my mind as best I can, then that allows my channel to open, which is basically intuitive wisdom to come through. So I really like to journal from that place And that actually, you'd think like, oh, meditation and journaling, that's not really a spiritual practice. Like, what about the bells and the whistles and the crystals and the pendulums and the this and the that? But for me, that has been my main, I guess, foundation of a spiritual practice for years now. And I think we can get quite caught up in yeah, the the distracting components. Not to say that I don't work with crystals or don't use Oracle, I do, but 
a lot of the time I find our ego attaches to doing things that way because that's the way that we see people doing them online. Whereas my favorite spiritual practice is the practice of introspection in listening to what my heart and my intuition have to share with me and then, and then following suit from that place, I guess. Mm. How about you, George? Yeah. I mean, we'll find out a little bit more about why I'm like this when we talk about our Lilith. Um, my Lilith is in Pisces, but I very much don't have spiritual practices, which, which blows a lot of people's mind. But for me, my spiritual practice is connection to self and connection to the universe. And it's the relationship between those two and that plays out in different ways. So, um, you know, I work a lot with the lunar cycle, um, in a really practical way. So yes, it's spiritual in a sense, but it's actually working with the planetary energies. Um, I do a lot of visualization. Visualization has become my meditation. So Mm. I visualize when I'm in the sauna, I visualize, uh, when I wake up first thing in the morning, when I'm still in that, uh, sleep state, like half asleep, Mm. half awake. Um, and yeah, I do do a few journaling practices, but only around the lunar cycle. So I'll release on the full moon and I'll set intentions on the new moon. And that's about it. I've got my crystals in my house, you know, I'll do some energy clearings if I need to. Um, I mean, yeah, that's, that's about the height of it. It's so funny, isn't it? Because I I think a lot of people would expect that we have like, uh, here's a controversial thing. Last full moon, I didn't put my crystals out because I I haven't done it for about three full moons. Really? Yeah. For a few reasons. One, it's been raining a lot in Byron. Um, And when I say raining, I mean storming. So I was a bit scared to put them out. But also Mm. they feel very neutral at the moment and I'm okay with that. Oh my God. I can't believe we haven't spoken about this. I felt that last cycle. I was like, they don't want to go outside. Yeah. <laughs> they, they actually want to stay put. So <laughs> I, I feel that if, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I want to cultivate some spiritual practices of my own, trust in whatever you're being called to, whatever you're being guided to. You don't have to do things the way that other people do them. No. In fact, your relationship with soul and spirit is such a personal one and it's so deeply connected with your own heart and your own intuition that I couldn't possibly prescribe a spiritual practice to anybody. Uh, It's got to be your own that you play with. And at the end of the day, it's just got to feel like a bit of joy and fun, really. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Um, Okay, what's my question? Your turn. (laughs) Jod, I'd love, well, you mentioned Lilith and I went, I don't know what that means. <laughs> so yeah. can you share, there, there are a couple of astrology questions that came through. The first is talking Lilith and the second is talking our stellium. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Well, we don't all have a stellium. So we'll come back to stellium. Okay. Stelliums, uh, yeah, we'll come back to it. So Lilith is, it's called Black Moon Lilith. When we're, The Lilith I'm talking about. There's an asteroid called Lilith as well. But the Lilith you hear, you hear in astrology a lot is this Black Moon Lilith. And it's not a planet or a body, but rather a point. So remember when we were talking about the nodes, they, mm. they also weren't planets or bodies. They were points yeah. on the chart. So yeah. um, in your natal chart, where Lilith is by sign and house and aspect has a lot to do where you feel sort of feelings of shame, um, feel misunderstood, kind of feeling repressed or stifled or ridiculed in a way. Wow. Um, And for for whatever reason, 
the expression of Lilith can be that you're actually wary of expressing the traits of that particular sign. Um, right. So parts of your personality don't feel like you can unapologetically express them in a way, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and yeah. I'll tell you a bit of the history behind Lilith. It'll under, It'll explain why. So Lilith... <laughs> The myth of Lilith, there's a few different myths, but the the most prominent one that I could find was that Lilith was actually Adam's first wife. So Lilith was Adam's partner before Eve came into existence. Oh, my God. Yeah. And Lilith was equal to man. Whoa. So while Eve was kind of depicted as this curvy, motherly figure, um, Lilith was very uncontained, uncontrolled, if uh, you were a Game of Thrones fan, were you, Hole? No, I know some of the characters. She reminds me, like, the idea of Lilith is very much like, um, oh, what was, oh, God, I can't even remember her name now. The re- I want to call her the Red Woman, but I don't think that was her name. She was like the witchy, the witchy yes, woman. Yes, yes, yes. You know yes, the one I'm talking yes, about? Yes, I know who you're talking That's about. That's the energy of Lilith. Mm. Um, very sexual, very disobedient, very kind of scorpionic in a way. Ooh. But she was exiled from heaven due to these characteristics within her. And um, Lilith was not happy about that. <laughs> she became bitter. You don't want to upset Lilith, guys. No, she was bitter. She was hurt with the injustice of it all. And she turned into this witch-like creature so it's very okay. similar yeah. as well, they say, to the role of Medusa in Greek mythology. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So your... Lilith sounds like a Libran projector. She wants justice and she feels bitter. Well, your, <laughs> your Lilith is in Libra. What? Yeah, so your Lilith is in Libra. Now, I've taken these from Cafe Astrology because I didn't know anything about Lilith's. Um, But it Mm. says here, Lilith in Libra has felt ashamed or wrong for needing companionship or seeking approval from others. Or Mm. they may otherwise feel that dependency and compromise are weak and not right and can feel uncomfortable with people who seem to need these things. Oh, my God. In the absence of self-acceptance regarding these very real needs, extremes of behavior in these areas can be the result And this perpetrates the cycle and the problem. Working on self-acceptance is the key to empowerment. Thank God that I'm working on (laughs) self-acceptance. Yeah. That's so interesting. My Lilith is in Pisces, which is really, really interesting because it's all about this feeling um, ashamed or of being needy, compassionate or wishy-washy. Also Mm. being ashamed of their spiritual side which is very much me in a lot yeah. of things that I do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this person can feel uncomfortable or annoyed with people who resist labels or who are not very assertive or ready to take the lead, which is very, oh very me as well. I'm just like, if you want to merge in the traffic, just fucking merge. Be assertive. <laughs> I think Trent might have his Lilith in Pisces as well because that's what he says all the time. <laughs> He's like, just make a decision and back it. <laughs> um, the key to moderation and empowerment is self-acceptance, again, um, and rejecting or feeling ashamed of their basic needs in these areas can lead to extremes of behavior and repeated cycles of binging and purging with these traits. 
So that's really interesting. I mean, like I said, I don't know a lot about Lilith, um, but if you if you Google what is my Lilith, you can find out more about it. I'm so going to do more research on this at the end of recording. That was – I didn't even know Lilith was a thing until yeah, right now. Yeah, Thanks, George. How interesting. Um, You know who loves Lilith is Jules Ferrari. So next time you have a reading with her, ask her to talk to you about your Lilith. Oh, my gosh. I'm due for a reading, actually. It's been about 18 months. I want to go back. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Um. Okay, so a stellium. Now, yes. a stellium is uh, an aspect in the chart, right? So – Stay with me here. A stellium okay. is a bundle of three or more planets. Mm-hmm. So what's happening is a stellium is like uh, three or more planets that are creating a conjunction mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in your planet, all right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in your chart. Now, the issue here is that the um, conjunction to create this stellium needs to be 10 degrees apart in the chart in order for it to be considered a conjunction. So one might look at your chart, Holly, and be like, Mm. oh, Holly's got a stellium in Virgo because you've got so many planets in Virgo. Yes. But the degrees of the planets from each other are too far away to To create a conjunction. Yeah, to create conjunctions with each other and therefore a stellium with the cluster of them. That makes sense. However... You do have a stellium in Capricorn. Oh, what does that mean? Your Saturn, your Uranus, and your Neptune. Well, what it means is that it's taking on the energy of that stellium. So the the ruler of the sign that the stellium is in also becomes more significant. And it's useful to look at the ruler to see if and how it aspects the stellium itself. Wow. So for you, it's really the theme that I see is um, it's all about ambition. Yes, yes. You know, so ambition in your career, it's very Saturnian energy, you know. It's that Saturn Saturn energy. And um, that can be seen through pretty much everything that you do, right? It's true. I have so much internal pressure on needing to be the best at everything. And I always wondered where that came from. And I thought it was my Enneagram being the achiever. But that also makes sense if it's if it's very Capricornian energy, right? Yeah. And also your Saturn is in Capricorn. So it's like double this energy, yeah? It's, it's, it makes sense. Yeah. It's this strong sense of responsibility that you take mm. on, persistence, you know, very calculating Mm. Um, places like extreme importance on your value system. Yes, yes. And I don't know if you've heard much about Neptune in Capricorn. Have you been told much about your Neptune in Capricorn? No. Okay, so your Neptune, people with Neptune in Capricorn tend to be leaders, but in the respects of spirituality. Really? Yeah, because, you know, Capricorn is the leader, the CEO, and Neptune is the spiritual, yeah? Right. So it's like this marriage of the spiritual leader. Um, they're, they're usually in, like, the helping professions, like they want to be okay. of service to people. Um, but they can possess an almost kind of, which I love you to death, but you also have this, a oh naive God. idealism. Oh, my God, I'm so naive. Well, but in your ideals, you can be naive. Yeah. You know? And I think... It's, it's, 
yeah, it's just interesting. It's just interesting. So if you want to look more into it, Holly, you want to have a look at Capricorn energy and how Capricorn energy plays out in your life because this stellium, this conjunction of all three of those planets is creating a strong energy around it. Now, I actually don't have a stellium in my chart. Um, at first glance, it looks like I have a, a Gemini stellium, but I don't for a few reasons. The North Node is included in a stellium. Okay. However, only if it's in between the planets and like in the cluster, it's in between yes. the cluster. So not the first point or the last, or the last. point. Mm-hmm. Um, and my Chiron is in Gemini, but it's too many degrees away from my Venus to be considered a conjunction. So therefore it just throws the it's whole not thing a stellium. Off. Yeah. 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 Oh my God, Joe, this is honestly, I don't know how many listeners are feeling the same, but it, I've, I've had a natal chart reading and I thought you just have one and that's it. But it's like, oh no, we can keep going and going and going and learning more and more about ourselves with this. It's so yeah. interesting. So that, that's that. That's Thanks, the last Joe. you'll ever hear of astrology from me, y'all. Oh my God, I can't believe this. <laughs> it's so bittersweet. <laughs> All right, let's hop on to the next question. Okay, this is your jam, my gal. Oh yeah. Um, I'm sure we've spoken about it on the potty before, but let's just give like the really fast cliff notes for creating a vision board. These are the questions she wants to know. Do you get really specific or is it more general? Do you include every aspect of your life or just a few things at a time? Pictures or words? Do you have ritual rituals around looking at it each day? When do you create a new one? Beautiful listener who asked this question, are you a Virgo? (laughs) Just tell me how to do it right and I will do it. (laughs) The first thing I'm going to say, which is going to annoy the shit out of you, is there are no rules when it comes to vision boarding. It honestly is, for me at least, the way I approach it, flow state. It's what you feel in the moment. If you want to create separate boards for separate life areas, go right ahead. If you'd prefer to stick with one board, do that. If you prefer cutting pages out of magazines and sticking on a physical board versus Pinterest, there's no right or wrong way to do this. What I would say is a few things. Be sure that when you're creating your vision board, you're in a high vibrational state because the way that energy works is like attracting light. So if you're sitting there and going, I'm going to get this wrong and this is so boring and shit, then the energy you're bringing to your vision board is not ideal. (laughs) Play music, light incense, have a cup of tea, make it a really beautiful experience. And just rather than planning out specifically what you're going to stick and wear, feel into what you're drawn to, what images, what words, what feelings are you drawn to in that moment, knowing that they could change. And that if that's the case, you can create a new board. Or if you want to stick with your board for years and years, that's also okay. Um, and I do a whole workshop series on this on my website. So that's a $30 price point and you can go deeper into all of these things because they're very valid questions, but sometimes we get so immobilized by getting it right that we just don't do it. And then we're losing, like we're missing the point. You know what I mean, George? Yeah, absolutely. There's no right or wrong answer to any of this stuff. It's what feels Mm. good for you. There's no rule book at all. Oh, no, you can't. I, I feel like a, a, many people, and it's understandable, get immobilized by the fear of doing this work wrong because, oh, God, but what if I call in something that I don't want? And it's just that please don't allow yourself to be immobilized by that fear 
talk. Um, really, it's just a bit of fun and enjoying yourself in that moment. And if it feels too stressful, then maybe don't do it until it feels like something that you'll really enjoy. Yeah. It's meant to be fun. Oh, vision board. So stressful. <laughs> <laughs> so overwhelming. So many options. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. I get asked those questions all the time. They're very valid questions. All right. Yeah. Next question. Next question, Jordana Levine. Um, okay. So what happens when we've done all the personal development and we are tired and over it and we're experiencing personal development fatigue and burnout. Yeah, totally. And here's the thing, like, I mean, I've spoken about it a little bit. People are going to think that I just do nothing. I'm not into personal development work, to be honest with you. Like, I don't read personal Mm -hmm. development books. I haven't done a personal development course in a really long time. I am the advocate for self-awareness. And that is the best work that you can do on yourself. And it's not always about developing and progressing. Sometimes it's about accepting. Sometimes it's about getting curious about what is already happening and what you can deal with what's happening in the present moment, you know? I think that with personal development, and we've spoken about it a lot, but we read the books and we do the courses and it's just one thing after another and we're not integrating anything. And Holly and I are so big on integration and embodying work. We're actually both Mm. going through a pretty heavy integration at the moment, but (gasps) it's all part of the process, right? And so when you are experiencing personal development fatigue or burnout, it's time to stop and come back to Mm. self and ask yourself why you're so um, intent on improving. Why are you not settling for who you are right now? Where's the acceptance? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a race as well. It's like this work is not going anywhere. So if you take a breather, it's just to, you know, so that you can keep going (laughs) rather than burning yourself out. And, And we've spoken about it in so many episodes. If you do have addictive tendencies, like for me, I was addicted to personal development because you do get that, that rush of, oh, I've, I've, you know, achieved and I've conquered and I've grown. But with that comes the other side of it is exactly what George said. Integration and rest is just as important, if not more so, because that's when you get to put what you've learned into practice. Exactly. And, you know, I talk about this a lot when it comes to dating. It's like you can do all of this work on yourself and be like, I am ready. I am healed. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to kill it. But you don't know how healed inverted commas you are or how ready you are until you go and take it for a test run because I can tell you I've thought that I have gotten over past relationships or you know dealt with trust issues or whatever it might be and then I'm in another relationship and all of a sudden I'm like oh no no no. there's still a lot of work to do there you know Ah, so it's like this personal development work whether it's relationships or money or you know career or whatever it might be you have to take it for a test run before you keep jumping to the next progression, you know? Such a good point. Yeah. Good one. Okay. Okay. Holly Valance. Yes. Um, oh, this is a good one. Seeing a lot of Facebook threads and Insta stories now where people are pulling cards for people who comment, etc. Is this a real thing? <laughs> I have a bit to say on this, actually. I was thinking about it. Uh, it is a real thing. Depending on who's doing the pulling of the cards, first, well, I mean, anyone can pull cards. That's fine. Uh, 
for me, when I see those um, those the Insta stories or the Facebook posts, I I wouldn't comment a specific question. I, I I'm just so conscious of energy and containing energy and who you in exchange energy with, and I find that a lot of these um, practices are more marketing tools than actual um, good intention. Uh, that's not to say that they're not they're not in. I don't want to put my foot in it here, but if it's being used as a marketing tool, I would not engage because what's the intention there? Um, and I would, if you're really wanting to have a card pulled for you or to exchange in some kind of psychic reading, invest the money and the energy in someone who you can trust, who's been referred to you and who hasn't just popped up randomly in your social media feeds. That said, if you trust the person, then go for it. Yeah, it actually reminds me, I know it's a little bit different, but because it is taking place on social media, it reminds me of what they said in the social dilemma where they were like, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. And that's sort of what's going on here. You're, You're the product here because you're being used as their marketing. It's 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. I actually, I don't, I'm not. I'm not against the whole, I'll pull a card for you. I think that's okay. Like that, I, I feel like that's, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I'm, I'm fine with that. That doesn't worry me. What I saw the other day, which really, really freaked me out was this account where this woman was a psychic and basically she put question boxes up and she said, ask me a question and people were just throwing questions in. And she was giving them answers back, having no idea who these people were. Mm. And her responses were scary. It was things like leave him or like. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And that, I'm not okay with that at all. If someone's doing that to you on social media, that's not okay. It's not, the energy isn't contained, guys. And we've just got to be really conscious when you're doing this work because it is energetic work. And psychics and intuitives have a code of ethics and conduct and practices that they need to abide by, but not all of them do. And like telling someone to leave someone that you haven't even sat opposite, like, God, it's just, it's just so immoral and not okay. Um, So I would really go with your gut with these things. If it's a bit of fun, like I love the Insta stories where it's like, I've got two cards here. What do you feel into? This one this one and it's a general read that's actually on you because you're feeling into which card so that's totally fine but when it becomes personal over in an online space like that or I've seen Facebook threads where it's like ask questions and I'll pick the top five questions to answer directly at six o'clock tonight it's like I just I just think it's energetically leaky and I'm not about it personally oh I'm with you 100% yeah yeah good question good question okay Joan Twin Flames. Now, we've been asked this a couple of times, and when we were in the middle membership, we actually ran a whole session on soulmates and twin flames. Oh, I was wondering where we did that. Yeah, it wasn't an ep, though. So you definitely have some experience here. What do you have to share about twin flames in a brief summary cliff notes? Jesus Christ. (laughs) Um. Okay, so twin flat. This is the cliff notes. Also, my interpretation. There's lots of interpretations on the internet that disagree with me, but I'm right because I'm a projector and I'm a Gemini. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So twin flames are different to soulmates. A lot of people think that they're one and the same. Mm. Where 
a soulmate is like this really beautiful complementary energy when it comes to love and relationships. A twin flame will have a bunch of chemistry with each other, but the role of the twin flame is to reveal and highlight your wounds and triggers so that Mm. you can heal too. But in terms of the relationship dynamic, the point of the twin flame is to come together, learn the lessons, and then break the contract. Mm. Yeah. So um, I went quite in depth in Make It Happen about a twin flame experience that I had mm. and how I was able to, it took me 12 years, but I was able to learn the lessons and move on. And yeah. we, we no longer have, I mean, we've got a little bit of chemistry, but it, it's not like this intense chemistry that we used to have. Mm. And um, I think that a lot of people, though, stay in those relationships. They think they're kismet. They think they're meant to be. They think they're soulmates. And if the energy is turbulent, tumultuous, um, triggering all the time, that is not a soulmate relationship. No, that's not a relationship you want to be in. It's exhausting. So, George, a couple of quick questions here. Does everyone have a twin flame? Um, it's a really good question. I don't think so in this lifetime. I don't think everyone has a twin flame in this lifetime. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I think that um, the point of the chemistry of your twin flames is, I talk about it in Make It Happen, it's the glue that keeps you together so that you're there to learn the lessons. But if yes. you just keep going back, whinging, whining, crying, getting angry about it, and frustrated, then you're not actually learning the lessons. And if you just keep making the excuses, oh, they're my twin flame, you know, this is why this is like this, it's exhausting because you're never, ever going to graduate from twin flame high school. Oh, my God. I'm so glad that you're the twin flame high school principal. We we need, we all need a Jordan Levine in our lives. And so the other question I had was, can you have more than one twin flame? No. Ah, uh, only one. Only one. You're in this lifetime. I feel like people listening to this will be like, yep, I've got a twin flame. It's like almost like if you know, you know. Yeah. It's also like, look, we have turbulent relationships that feel very intense. They're not necessarily twin flames. There Mm. are karmic links between the two of you. Um, Mm. And they show up in lots of different ways. So I don't like to give examples because I think that it's different for everybody. For me and my twin flame, it was what could have been interpreted as soulmate connection because, you know, we would dream about each other when the other person was thinking of the person or if something was going wrong in their life, we'd know without having spoken. We'd run into Mm. each other in the most random of places. Um, Yeah, like lots of sort of kismity stuff, but just just having chemistry and just having this kind of need to... Or, or, or people say, oh, I can't let go. Like, I'm just so stuck on them. Sometimes that's you not processing stuff before moving out of a relationship. This you know? is the integration piece that we were speaking about. So doing the work, being in the work, and then going and integrating. Mm. And you can't reiki a twin flame out of existence, <laughs> you know? You, you can't have... cord cut a twin flame? No. I mean, you can you can cord cut a twin flame, but you also have to do the work, right? Like Totally. I mean, I cord cut my twin flame, but I mean, that might've helped a little bit, but it was, it was, it was really me doing the work and going, I don't want to be in this. I don't, it's not healthy 
for me. It's not healthy for him. I want to graduate and meet my soulmate. It sounds like a recognition of self-worth and that they come in as a mirror for you to recognize what you truly deserve. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's going to highlight different things for different people. Okay. Thanks, Jord. That was very helpful. Okay. Identifying that you are a light worker, channeling and learning what to do with light worker energy. Mm. So for me, my interpretation of being a light worker is someone who is here to spread light and love. So I would say that deep down, if you've asked this question, you know in your heart that you are here to do light work. And light work doesn't have to be psychic work or Reiki. You can be a light worker working at the checkout at Coles and having beautiful conversation with people as they come in and out of the store, right? For me, especially the notion of light leadership is living your life deeply from a place of being light and being love and then allowing that energy to create ripples of change no matter what your career is no matter what you do for money no matter how you show up on social media I'm far more interested in the light workers who are going about their day being a good person with a kind heart in every interaction with a person regardless of an outcome or regardless of you know how that's going to look to other people I feel like being a light worker is almost just intrinsically in you because you're constantly driven by a vision of a greater world, a vision of being a better version of yourself to create ripples of really beautiful change in the world. So in terms of honing your light worker skills, I would say it's mostly about taking care of your energy. And because the more that you're caring for your energy, your light, filling yourself up with your light and your own love, then the more you can give. And it's that notion, right, George, like you can't give from an empty cup. So Fill yourself up with all of the light and all the love that you feel so called to give others and give from that overflow so that it doesn't lead to feelings of bitterness or resentment. Um, And your version of doing light work is going to look different, differently to mine um, and really getting crystal clear on how that looks for you. It might be that you're a conversationalist or you're a creative and, you know, I watched, in fact, I tagged you in this, um, this dance on Facebook. Did you watch it? Yes. It was amazing. Was it not the most moving piece of contemporary dance? And for me, I'm like, they were light workers in that moment because they made us feel, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, what is your expression of your light and love? And how can you create more of that in the world? And that comes back to authenticity, which you speak about all the time. Yeah. Beautiful. Thanks. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you loved that dance, by the way. It was just Oh, my beautiful. God. It was amazing. I'll try and find it and put it in the um the Facebook group. Okay, so, Jord, you're actually really good at this, and I think it might be your Virgo moon. Um, this is about giving <laughs> constructive feedback. <laughs> so the question is, how do we give constructive feedback? When do we give constructive feedback? When do we just stay quiet and let that individual navigate their own journey, a.k.a. fuck shit up? <laughs> okay, it's a really good question. Um, I... If we want to bring it back to my natal chart, I think it's my Virgo moon, but also my Taurus in Mercury. Ah, of course. Because I just want to give people all the facts and lay it out, also all my Gemini placements, <laughs> lay it out for them. And I, 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 look, I feel like I can tune into when somebody needs some constructive feedback and when they just need someone to nurse their ego a little bit. And it's just about tuning into that. I do also think, though, that sometimes people need 
to hear the truth and not to just hear what they need to hear, but you've got to be able to read the room. So true. You know, like I'll give Holly constructive feedback because I know that she appreciates it. Yeah. But there's certain people in my life who I won't give constructive feedback to unless they ask for it. And this is the other thing. Sometimes it's about asking permission and saying, do you want to hear my opinion? Do you want some constructive feedback? Or do you want me to just sit and listen? I had a girlfriend over yesterday who was having some relationship issues and she just wanted to talk. She didn't need advice. She just wanted to talk it out. So I just sat there. And I didn't give any feedback. I didn't give any advice. I just heard her out and held space. So, yeah, I think asking if people want to hear your perspective and your experiences um, and, yeah, waiting for permission. 100%. Yeah. I, I feel like it's very hard as an individual because you want to be able to, if you have experience in this particular area, you want to be able to give your experience to help them out, but you've also got to remember that it's your experience. Yes, that's so true. It's through. It's still through your lens. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So such ask, a good ask, point. Just ask permission. That's very helpful. Thank you, Jillian. You're welcome. Okay. Um, how you both set boundaries? Mm. Oh, it's kind of on the same kind of uh, same theme as constructive feedback. Yeah, it is. It is. I feel my boundary setting has come a long way. I think especially when I first, do you know what? Going into working for myself, boundaries are almost forced on you because your time and your energy is finite and you've you've got to reprioritize where you're spending it. So boundaries for me uh, have always been a challenge given that I have a tendency toward people pleasing and I want to be able to help and when I first started out in in my work and was getting DMs blown up of people who were basically asking for free advice, like free coaching, what do you do in this specific situation? I would answer all of the questions because I just wanted to help and I just wanted, and then I realized that I was getting bitter. And I was like, hang on a second, I'm literally just giving all of my energy and my heart and my soul away for free, (laughs) for free, for no return. There's no value exchange. So I know when it's time for me to create some boundaries, when I feel bitter or resentful or when I start to feel a little bit off in an exchange, that could be a friendship exchange, that could be a relationship exchange or that could be an exchange online. And I've done so many things. I mean, from taking myself off Instagram, from even there were periods where I used to think I would be the worst person in the world if I didn't acknowledge someone's DM and now I do it often and it's not because I don't value what the person has to say. It's that I just don't have the energetic capacity to reply in that moment and I've recognized that doesn't make me a bad person, you know? How about you, George? Absolutely. Yeah, it's funny. I used to have to have very clear boundaries, um, purposeful boundaries, and now I feel like they're just natural boundaries. I don't even really have to think about it because I know my energy so well. Yeah. Um, the Instagram thing's a huge thing for me. Like, I mean, if you've DM'd me, you probably noticed I haven't replied or I reply days later mm. because I cannot handle um, it. For a long time, I couldn't handle a message being seen and not responded to. 
but I yes. also knew that it was taking all of my energy, but also my IP as well. You know, I was giving away a lot yeah. of my intellectual property for free and I, yeah. It, yeah, there's a very funny line with social media, but in terms of one. personal boundaries, it's come, it always comes back to my energy and how mm. much I can give. And I'm like you, I want to give and I can only give from a space where I feel safe and I feel full. And if I'm mm. not feeling those things, it's because I've let my boundaries slide. So true. And I feel you and I have both done pretty good work in terms of cultivating personal connections in our life who, when we share a boundary or when we you know, a boundary comes up just naturally, it's honored and respected by the person receiving it rather than like in the past, I would have people that were social connections that if I didn't want to come out or if I wanted to, you know, sleep rather than catch up on a weeknight because I was exhausted, I, I don't feel guilty for that anymore. I'll be honest and just be like, look, I'm bailing because I'm absolutely spent. In the past, that would be like, oh no, come on, what are you doing? Like, you know, come out with us versus, uh, okay, I don't know where you're at. You'll get in touch when you need. I love you. Like it's just, yeah. I think it really matters who you're surrounded by as well and taking a look at the connections that you feel most safe with, as you said, George, to naturally assert boundaries without it being this massive big deal because the people who actually care about your well-being aren't going to get upset with you for asserting a boundary. They just won't. No. Yeah. Love that. Love that for love us. That. Love that I'm um, gotten. <laughs> Okay, Joe, we're going into the world of dating and relationships. Oh, God. Oh, so I there are a couple well. of things. There are a couple of things to cover here, please. Okay. Do we want to do them one by one or do you want me to put them all up the front and then you just go on a spiel? No, let's do them one by one and I'll be as short and sharp and snappy as I can. First thing, early relationship anxiety. Yes, people feel this a lot and I understand that. Um, without shamelessly plugging, I would say go and listen to listen to High Love, the podcast, um, mm. and eventually read the book in January because I think that a lot of the early relationship anxieties come either from past experience that we're bringing into a new relationship, come from things within ourselves that we haven't dealt with yet, whether it's trust issues or self-worth issues or deservingness issues, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. If you can walk in with what I refer to as a strong personal vibration it doesn't mm. mean that the anxieties aren't going to be there, but it means that you have control over what you allow yourself to be aligned with and what's going to throw you out of alignment. And I, I love think that. that getting to know yourself and this self-acceptance piece is the key to early shit or early relationship anxiety. Good one. Yeah. Okay. Well, what about human design types and dating? Well, it's interesting. I said in the Facebook group when this was asked that we're actually going to talk about it in higher love, but I'll tell you a little tiny, tiny bit of what um, Emmy Ray said. I interviewed the Daily Rest, Emmy Ray from the Daily Rest, and um, basically what she said, which is exactly what Jules Ferrari said about natal chart compatibility as well, is that the point of your knowing your human design and the point of knowing your natal chart is not to look at someone else's chart and go, are we compatible? It's to look at your own chart and go, mm. These are the this is the work from my human design and from my natal chart where I need to work on for relationships to work. Ha-ha. <laughs> so the onus is back on us. Absolutely. It's a self-awareness piece. Dating is the biggest self-awareness piece. 
It's like, where are my, where are my wounds? Where are my battlegrounds? What do I need to work on? How can I be more accepting? And how can yes. I be more accepting of myself? You yeah, know, so, so much sense. So when it comes to human design, what we do talk about in the episode, I won't ruin it, is we, we have a look less about the individual profiles and more about whether you're an emotional or a non, it's called non-emotional, but it's not non-emotional. It actually means that you feel everyone's emotions, where an emotional mm. gives the emotions out, we take the emotions on. So yeah, we're, we're yeah. both non-emotionals whole. I assumed. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't mean that two non-emotionals can't date each other or two emotionals can't date each other or that there has to be this, um, you know, uh, emotional with a non-emotional. It's just about being aware of the other person and being aware of yourself. I love that. So it's not you're a manifesting generator and I'm a projector, so this means that. It's I'm a projector and this is what I need in a relationship. Yeah. And this is what I'm looking for. Mm. Yeah, and this is what you need in a relationship and can I hold space for that and can Mm. you hold space for me? And that is relationship compatibility. Oh, my God, I love this. Well, the next question was natal chart compatibility. So I guess that's the same. It's the same, but I mean, we've spoken about it across a few episodes, so I thought we could just like really kind of bundle it down to one short, sharp thing. What you want to be looking at is moon signs, so mm. your your emotional capabilities and their emotional capabilities and the acceptance of each other from an emotional mm. level. Uh, looking at their Venus and your Venus, definitely, that's your love and relationships planet. But I think what is most important, and Jules Ferrari definitely agrees with me, is your Mercury. It's how you communicate. And communication in relationships is key. So it's not saying, oh, you know, they've got a Mercury in Cancer and I'm not compatible with that, which is what I said to Jules Ferrari. But it's (laughs) about going, they communicate from a very emotional place where I communicate from a very practical place as a Taurus, you know? So it's just being aware of that, that if their emotions are coming into our discussions or our arguments or our, you know, conversations, that it's their cancer in Mercury that's playing that out. So I need to be able to hold space for it. That's so helpful. The the last dating question, Jord, is moving on from an ex. Yeah, again, it's the self-awareness piece. I think give yourself time. Um, give yourself time. You know, there's that stupid, stupid saying that's like, it'll take half the amount of time you're with a partner to get over them. So if oh, you're Jesus. with a partner for five years, it's going to take you two and a half years to get over them. And that is deeply seeped in scientific research. <laughs> uh, it's the most fucked fake statistic ever. So um, basically be patient with yourself. Mm. Have a look at what lessons came up in the relationship and see what were your, what lessons were yours. And most of them will be yours because, you know, even if the whole relationship broke down because of them, you were still in relationship with them. So what part of you either couldn't see it, still had space for it, ignored it, whatever it might be. Um, Mm -hmm. Having a look at your self-worth and just being aware that everybody has an ex and everybody's going to be bringing baggage from ex-relationships into new relationships. But if you can come in without holding on to what was, what was in the past and just staying present and looking to the future, then eventually, eventually over time, yeah, it's going to get 
easier. And then you're going to sing, shout out to my ex, you're really quite the <laughs> And it's all going to be okay. <laughs> Holly says this without having a serious ex. <laughs> I literally, when George was like, we all have an ex. And I was like, um, my ex from year nine. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> but I get, look, I get it. It's it's such a loaded question because it is really hard to move on from certain exes, but it's usually because you either haven't found closure within the relationship with them. You're waiting for them to give you closure, which means that you're waiting for validation from them for something, or you haven't found closure within yourself. And a lot of the time that's a forgiveness piece, forgiving yourself, forgiving them. So closing the loop I think is the key to moving on. And sometimes you have to close it without their permission. You know, I I find um, scripting or, you know, free writing, journaling, getting it out on paper, writing a letter that you do not send, do not send the letter. Don't send it. A letter that you write um, just to get everything out so that you can process it. And it's it's a different experience for everyone. This is what I wanted to talk to is like I feel – as a Libra moon, and I would love to hear from other Librans or Libra heavy charts, I romanticize relationships I haven't even had and, like, grieve that. Like, this is long before training. Like, I'm talking high school, like, connection things. And I'll still have moments where I'm like, huh, you know? And it's like, I don't know how people get over exes that you're in relationships with. It would be one of the hardest things ever. Yeah, it's really hard <laughs> I'm so I'm sorry I'm just like I'm I'm really like shout out to all of you going through that because that's fucking intense and hard yeah really- but it but it it is a it is a self-awareness piece I mean of it really is, it is because if you if you say that you're still stuck on someone because you're waiting to hear something from them or mm-hmm. you need them to give you something you need to be able to give it to yourself yeah well you've placed your worth in the hands of somebody else right yeah oh it's a hard one good answer Jord. that's that was helpful for me and i didn't even know i needed to hear it okay, <laughs> okay so this, is, this is your last question Hal. oh best ways you have leveled up and what helped you to do it slash push through it or points where you've realized you've beat an old obstacle slash story slash trauma so interesting and very timely. So you know how Facebook do those memories where they're like, you, four years ago. Oh, yeah. So me four years ago did my first ever Facebook Live and I watched it and my heart kind of simultaneously broke and was filled of this little girl that I was watching. And I was a woman. I mean, I was 27 doing this this video, but I'm watching it back going, who, who are you? Like, actually, who are you? Not just in the way that I was terrified to go on Facebook live. Like I'm full blown shaking guys in this video and I'm going, I'm feeling the fear, but I'm doing it anyway. And I'm practicing what I preach. Like it's, it's so sweet. And I, it's cringy because of how scared I was to do a Facebook live. This is before Instagram stories are a thing or podcasts or whatever. And even physically, I look so much more me now which is a weird thing to say but I think I guess it makes sense like I I my growth game is pretty on point and the thing that I'm most proud of at the moment just because that video came up is I continue to stretch myself and put myself into experiences that feel really uncomfortable but I know 
deep down will have growth on the other side. So that doesn't necessarily mean mean going and sitting in silence for 10 days in Vipassana. Like that's extreme version of Holly personal development. And yeah, I'm proud of that. But really grassroots, like what I can reflect on and go, gosh, I've come a long way is getting out of my own way. And like the things of guys, I used to be the biggest people pleaser ever. I used to really, really, really care what people thought of me, like really care. I used to have body dysmorphia and, and absolutely hate my body. Like, and those are the things that I'm proud of sitting today going four years, only four years. And so much of that can change. That's the stuff where I'm like, yeah, I've, I've overcome that and I'm proud. Yeah, that's awesome. So what about you, Jordan? I feel like you've always had confidence when it comes to those sorts of things. Uh, well, I mean, I do remember my first Facebook Live, actually, and I was quite terrified. But yeah, it does feel like a very natural thing for me. It always has, like even as a child, like performing in my lounge room in front of people. But where I have noticed massive up-levelings taking place is in my personal life. Yeah. Uh, with dating and relationships, definitely. You know, yeah. I wrote high, I wrote Higher Love, but I channeled and learnt the lessons as I wrote it. You know, it yeah. was like I went through this year of dating for the book and then everything that I'd learnt through that year I had to channel into this book and in doing that I up-leveled big time. Um, mm. So, yeah, that was great. Um, and also I think, I think we spoke about it a few episodes ago, but just – I've really up-leveled in terms of my independence and my capabilities as a woman. <laughs> yes. Know? Like I, I'm very much uh, functioning as a highly functional being um, in all aspects of my life, and, and that's been a massive up-level for me. How I went about that, again, self-awareness work, definitely kinesiology work, absolutely yes. for both of us. Yes. Um, and just noticing where there are parts of my life, not where I'm disappointed in myself or I don't feel worthy enough, but where I'm like, oh, I'd like to improve that. And that's yes. where I think the up-leveling and the development work should come from, not from a place of scarcity, but from a place of, oh, yeah, I actually really find passion in that or joy in that. So I'm going to up-level in some way. Yeah, it's like polishing a diamond that's already shiny. Yeah. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I, it's so funny when you were talking about like you're a fully functional woman in all aspects of your life. And for some reason, I'm like transported into a time where I was staying at yours and your air conditioner unit broke. And you're like, it's fine. I'll figure it out. And you like went around and did all these things and pulled these plugs <laughs> out. And I was like, oh, my God, she's so capable. Like that, that I was so proud of you in that moment. I was like. Oh, my God. Look at her fixing this. It was impressive. I don't think I fixed it in the end. <laughs> no, in the end you didn't, but you were so confident in your ability to perhaps be able to do it, whereas I would have just had a tantrum. So I was like, wow, that really inspired me in that moment. Oh, that's so sweet. You'd never, you'd never mentioned it at the time. I didn't know. <laughs> Hindsight, it's a wonderful thing. <laughs> so good all right this episode is pretty been pretty long i think that's most of the things ticked off this is pretty much our last week of recos because next week it's christmas recos oh my gosh that's so true this is our last ever reco i didn't think this through oh my god i feel like mine's not as big as i wanted it to be for my last reco i feel like we're putting too much pressure on ourselves to make our last reco the best reco yet okay but 
anyway, what's your record? (laughs) Well, this was gifted last week. I didn't actually anticipate to receive this, and I love it, and I've been wearing it often. The brand is Crystal Night Jewelry. Crystal is spelt with a K. Crystal's one of my yoga students. Did you know that? No. Yeah. The actual Crystal Night? The actual Crystal Night. I'm good you can tell her that I record her jewellery. <laughs> I didn't know this. Yeah. She does the most beautiful crystal necklaces, George. Yeah. And cuffs and rings and all sorts of things. So yeah. I received uh, earrings, yeah. I received a clear quartz mini necklace, which is really beautiful. But when I was on the site prepping for this reco, you can search by crystal type. So if you're looking for a citrine piece or an amethyst piece, you can actually search by crystal type and then whatever jewellery piece speaks to you and calls you. And they are. They're a Byron-based brand. They're beautiful. Um, And I just, I'm obsessed. I want one of their rings. I want one of their earring sets. They're beautiful, beautiful pieces. Um, And Crystal Knight, if you go into the online store, she's got a whole lot of products in there. So it's not just jewellery. She stocks. Make it happen if you want to buy a copy of Make It Happen. Um, and she's just got lots of beautiful products like uh, Palo Santo and smudge sticks and just really lovely spiritual things. Oh my gosh, it's, amazing! Yeah, well, I'm glad that that was my last record. Then there you go, yeah, Crystal Knight. <laughs> How about you? Mine was also gifted, um, and it was from a company called Ep Zen, which make uh, magnesium products. But what I loved most about this was it's a magnesium body lotion. So it's not a spray. Um, You actually put it on like you would moisturizer. I rub it on my belly or I rub it on my feet or I rub it on my chest. And it doesn't have that like, um, you know how you can sometimes get that tingle from the spray? Yes. Yes. Trent hates the tingle. Yeah. And it's also got essential oils in it. I've got the sleep one. And so I rub it on before sleep, but there's one that's like relax. And I think there's like oh. a few different ones and the essential oils change in them, but also I think the level of magnesium as well. But the sleep one is fantastic. And I just think it's a nice little ritual to do that actually has some smell and some, you know. It's multi-sensory. Mm. Epzen, did you say? I'm going to Ep- get me some of that. Epzen. They also make like bags of magnesium flakes that you can put in the bath also with essential oils and um and they also do have spray if you want spray what a vibe yeah it's really cool um so that is my record this week so jord when you message me this week and you're like i would ideally like to guess the natal chart of christine quinn from selling sunset i don't know if we're going to be able to find it online I couldn't believe my eyes that she had tweeted her entire co-star chart to her whole following. Well, that's so good because it was actually a suggestion in the Facebook group. Oh, was Um, it? But I do love Christine Quinn from Selling Sunset. If you guys have watched it but you're not sure who Christine is, she's the really tall blonde one who's like a little bit kind of bitchy and a little bit kind of dark. Like right off the bat I want to say she's definitely got Scorpio in her chart and she's kind of like – yeah, she's just amazing, but very, very, very bitchy. She's a character, that's for sure, but yeah. like a real a life version of herself. Like what you see is what you get. Yeah. Um, so, Jod, guess the celebrity natal chart, Christine Quinn. Does she have Scorpio in her chart? Yes, she does. Yeah. <laughs> I can see it. 
Um, she's also definitely 100% got fire in her chart. Does she have fire? She does. Okay. Um, and so fire and water. No earth. None. And I'm going to say no air. Is she double fire water? No. She has an air placement. She has an air placement. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm going to place her Scorpio. Is her Scorpio her rising? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because you see it. I see it. Okay. The, the fire that I'm getting, I'm actually getting all three of them on different mm. levels. I'll walk mm-hmm. you through it. Do you know who she is, Hole? Yeah, I know who she is. Okay. I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. So I kind of get a bit of Aries because she does have this sort of immaturity to her and she's very much about the self. Yes. I get Leo because she's very, like, over the top. Yes. But I very much get Sagittarius because she's very sort of, like, um, she's kind of ruthless and businessy and, like, she's just got that Sag vibe to her. So I kind mm. of... I'm leaning more towards Sag. Yes. Yes. Okay, so I reckon Sag is her sun. No. It's her moon. It's her moon. Saggy moon. All right, let's walk through the air signs. Mm. I'm going to rule out Gemini. Ruled out. I kind of get, I can see both of the other air signs now. I can see Aquarius because she's quite eccentric Mm -hmm. um, and she just, I kind of get this like, I want to change the world, but just so it suits me kind of vibe and like have a zebra at my wedding or whatever she did. Yes, at an engagement party. But I also get the Libra vibe because she's very much about beautiful things. She loves beautiful things and beautiful jewelry and, and also relationships seem to be quite a big player for her mm-hmm. um and the injustice card like i can see that in her but she's also not very nice and mostly brings are lovely but then i'm like but she's got the scorpio and the sag i'm gonna go libra she's a libran yeah libra and not only that but her mercury is also in libra yeah well, that's not surprising because mm. <laughs> we know we know about Mercury, don't we? That's what we've learned from this. Oh my God! Yes. Show. Yeah. Oh yeah! It's got to be the sign or the one before or the one after. Yeah. But what I thought when I saw this, because I, I, yeah, I was like, oh, the Scorpio makes sense, the Sag makes sense, and the Libra does make sense, but also in an imbalanced way because Librans are pot stirrers when they're not balanced. Like okay. they, they like. Yeah, oh, yeah, they, they, they like to stir the pot and like, oh, no, I can't get involved. This is your drama, guys, and then they watch. Oh. Benny Dramas does it very, very well in his Libra take, and it is. It's a Libra. Like, I know when I was younger, I used to love a little bit of drama, but, oh, no, I'm not involved. I'm just watching. I can see all sides, guys. But that's also very Gemini, so you've got a double whammy. I'm a nightmare, guys. I'm watching but anyway, out yeah. for you. Well, be careful. Be careful, guys. <laughs> yeah. So Libra with a Scorpio rising and a Sag moon. Wow. 
it's a bit of a rogue child, isn't it? Do you know, since you've got her co-star there, what houses are her sun and moon and rise? Oh, sun and moon. So her Libra sun and her Libra Mercury, Mercury are both in the 12th house. Interesting. Yeah, but her Scorpio and her Sag are both in the first house. I reckon, well, her Scorpio is her ascendant, so it's always in the first house. Oh, of course, of course. But I reckon there's a lot more to Christine Quinn than we see on the television. I think so too. I think her, she's quite a spiritual person. I think so. Her Venus is in Virgo in the 11th house. Um, her, oh, she's got um, Neptune in Capricorn. Like there you, you go. And she's also got a couple of other Saggy placements, like a Saturn and Uranus. And her Mars is Aries. There we go. There's that Aries placement. Oh, her when Mars she's angry, Aries. she's really angry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good. If you guys haven't watched Selling Sunset, I'm pretty sure I record it. Go and watch it. It's so good. It's a bittersweet symphony, this life. <laughs> <laughs> the verb. 2000, 2000. Was it 2000? I don't even know. I, look I think up. I was I was in primary school. Can you please tell me? Because what happens is you try to make ends meet and then you're a slave to the money and then you die. And then you die. It's <laughs> the worst. It's so shit. But oh, Come on, what year was it? Just give me the year. Oh, 97? You're kidding. I was seven. Jesus. Wow. I was also I mean, about seven-ish. <laughs> I, I was around my seven. Um, <laughs> so, George, the time has come to reflect and recap on our fave middle moments and memories. Well, I think my favourite middle moment and memory, which I don't know if a lot of people know this about us, but we barely knew each other when we started the middle. <laughs> I, I remember that Voxer that I received from you. So clearly, do you remember you sent me a Vox? And was, I was it my first ever Vox I'd sent you? No, because I'd read um, "Make It Happen" for you, uh, and you'd vox, we'd voxed back and forth a little bit about that, and then I opened up about an experience I was going through, and we really bridged the gap there. Yeah. So we had spoken, but I remember—I don't even know if I've told you this story. Oh my but God, I was I love working, stories you haven't told me. Oh my God. Yes. I was working from my old apartment and it was a depths of beauty day and Kirst, our friend, was working with me and my my phone lit up and I was like, oh my God, Jordana Levine just sent me a Voxer. And she's like, you should listen to it. I'm like, yeah, okay. And I went into the other room and listened and it was you being like, you were like, hey, Hall, this is going to be so random, but I just had this thought about this podcast idea, I want to run it by you, let me know, like, it's probably pretty rogue, but we'll get on a phone call. And I just remember being so excited that I came out of my bedroom, like, oh, my God, Jordana Lavinia's asked me to do a podcast with her. (laughs) (laughs) And Kirst was the first person to know. I just can't believe you were calling me Jordana Lavinia at the time. Yeah, yeah. Am I still in your phone as Jordana Lavinia? Yes. Oh. It's so weird. Well, I mean, you're, that, in, you're in my phone as Holly as a party, so I get it. We wouldn't have it any other way. Any other um, way. But, yeah, we weren't, we weren't tight. And I think the gift of this show has been you and I. <laughs> like, it's so nice. It makes me want to cry. Well, it's just, I mean, I guess what people don't really, this isn't where I thought this was going to go, but we're going to take it there. Okay, um, please. The funny thing about Holly and I is, I mean, we're friends, right? Like, we get along, you hear us laugh on here, but 
we are so similar in ways that are so beyond scary <laughs> for us. Yeah. You know, like yeah. right down to us both being born on a waxing crescent moon. <laughs> we're both self-projecting projectors double s i mean it's just um but also just the way that we think about things and um if we weren't friends we'd probably be soulmates because true. we just have a very similar way of looking at the world well remember when jules we had a compatibility chart reading with jules ferrari and when she was reading us she was like I cannot express how compatible you two are. She's like, it's actually blowing my mind. Yeah, it's so funny. It's so funny, but it is. It's lovely. We didn't. We wouldn't have known that. We'd obviously we're in the same industry, and I, I would go to some of George's events and just be like the little fangirl in the group, like sharing her on my stories. And it's just evolved into something so much more than I think we anticipated. Like the middle isn't a podcast show for us, you know. No. And what's so interesting is it's like you've really got to pay attention to those moments where you have a random idea because yes. this podcast was a random idea. I didn't think it through before I voxed you. I would just hop straight on Vox, which wow. isn't very me. And no. I just kind of threw it out there. We had a phone call and then, you know, all the cogs started turning and I really stayed on it for us in the beginning there. I was like, don't worry, oh, I'll did. do everything. You, you did just turn up, but it was because there was this nudge in me, you know, and it's not just the middle. It's everything that we've created through our friendships, you know, things that you've helped me with advice. I've given you about certain things, yeah. you know, that's really kind of expanded the microcosm that is Holly and Jord. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, and it is. It's this microcosm and everything has been this effortless evolution. Like I remember that first day at Double Bay Library when you was, you hadn't moved to Byron yet. Like you were just about to land, I think. And we were like, what are we going to call it? And it took us all of maybe half an hour and we'd come up with the name The Middle, like simply through scrolling through Spotify songs. Yeah. Like, it, everything was so easy about this. And and that's when you know that there's something in it, when you can follow the ease and the flow and just trust in the unfolding. And, yeah, I, I, I would always say before the middle started, I don't listen to podcasts. I'm never going to host one. I just don't get them. And I'm so grateful to you, Jord, for initiating me into this world because it's not just the show, although I love the show, but the community and the listeners. And from there I've been able to meet people through readings and and it's just this whole span of life that I didn't realize was possible yeah and now you're gonna have your own podcast show and now I'm gonna it's like I'm graduating podcast school yeah and you were the principal of that as well principal <laughs> of twin fun school principal of podcast school is there anything you can't do I <laughs> uh, can't teach maths not very good at maths <laughs> I don't really care for math, it's fine. We outsource the math. <laughs> um, what have been your highlights of the middle moments? What have your well, moments been? Other than what we just shared, which is definitely the biggest highlight for me and quite selfish, is like the friendship and the the trips up to Byron and sleeping on your couch and the when we had middle membership, while that was, you know, only for a period of time, that those wine nights, like think back oh, to yeah. those. like. <laughs> They were such a beautiful way of when we were all experiencing the pandemic and deep in the throes of lockdown and being able to get on a wine with you and the gals and just chatting. And we had some friends join us. Like those moments. Oh, yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, Janela, like it's just the moments of connection and I guess the other piece is I love hearing from people like randomly in it literally happened to both of us randomly in the street being like oh we listen to the middle like love the podcast and it's just so nice to be recognized yeah it is so nice I mean I booked my hair today with a brand new hairdresser and she's like I know you I listen to the middle I'm like oh god okay cool it's (laughs) It's such a fun experience so all of it I've loved all of it, even the recording on Friday mornings. Like it's just, yeah. it's all been fine. It's like we joke about it, but it's it's just been amazing. Yeah. 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 And what about some of your favorite things to talk about on the potty? Oh, what have I loved the most? I really did love when we were doing the try something new and I loved learning from you all the different things you were going out and trying. It's just like there's only so many things you can try until you can't anymore. I know. That was a really good segment and I feel like people miss it, but it's like we did run out of things to try. (laughs) It's like we've pretty much, other than like walking through flames, like we've tried most things. But that was a really fun segment to be like, oh, I'm going to try this out. Nothing specific is coming to mind, which is annoying. But, yeah, that was a fun segment. How about you? What What did you enjoy about the I act? mean, I bloody love Celebrity Natal Chart, and Holly and I will keep playing that long We're after this podcast is over. <laughs> So we started Celebrity Natal Chart before we aired it, and then we were like, well, this would make for great listening. So what about what were some of the moments in the middle that felt quite challenging for you, Jord, like maybe topics we spoke about or things that kind of pushed you out of your comfort zone in a way? Yeah, that's really interesting. I think in the early days, um, I shared a lot more about my personal life than I choose to now. And I I don't regret it, but I it was very hard for me. I think there was that one relationship I was kind of sharing in real time. And yes. um, I, I really struggled with that. I won't do that again. No. Um, there was too much information in people's hands that they didn't need to have, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, that's about it, really. What about you? What do you struggle with? I don't think it was more struggle, but more like I found the, and this is for both of us, right? Being self-projecting projectors, we speak things out like problems and issues to solve them. So I found the process of talking real-time challenges out and then listening back to them. That sounds very ego, but it is a very good tool for self-projecting projectors. I would have so many light bulb moments around situations in our own lives that I don't think I would have recognized unless I'd listened back through the podcast and Mm. things like, um, I remember one of our earliest episodes around like exercising and body image. And we did an episode on like fashion and aesthetics and these points in my life that I'd never really sat down and thought about. And so it's definitely not a struggle, but it did challenge me in ways to be like, no, Holly, own an opinion. And what do you actually think about this rather than being like, yeah, I see all sides. It's like, no, but what, what is your experience with this topic? Um, So that I think I've grown through being able to own my voice a little more in that regard. Yeah, cool. Yeah, Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, there's so many things we spoke about that I'd never really stopped to think about. Yeah. And we don't plan these episodes. So, yeah, it was like real-time realizations, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited that we've got this backlog to go through through the ages and be like, oh, when I was 30 and 31, like these are the things that I thought were the end of the world. When I was 22. When I was, yeah. I don't know about you. Um, yeah, they're the moments that I'll I'll really cherish. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting sentimental. If you could sum up your middle experience 
as a zodiac sign. Oh yeah, okay. What would it what would its sun moon and rising be? Oh my god, what's the middle sun moon and rising to you? Well, there were two questions. <laughs> Which one am I doing? <laughs> okay, firstly, sum up sum up your middle experience as a zodiac sign. Okay. And then what is the middle sun moon and rising? Okay, so just one zodiac sign for the middle experience. Yeah, just one. Um, oh, I think that's too hard to just do one. Okay, do you want to? Uh, can I just do the middle as a whole? Sun, yes. moon, rising. Okay. Yeah. I think it's got. Well, it's so hard because I just want to give it our signs. Well, because it kind of is. I think it's got a Pisces moon, though. I think it does have a Pisces moon. <laughs> And I, I mean, I don't want to hog it, but I feel like it's got a Gemini sun. It's definitely got a Gemini placement. Yeah, it's got a Gemini sun. So what's its rising hole? I don't think it's a Leo rising. No, maybe it's a Libra rising. I think it's double air. It's got to be double air. <laughs> so, oh my God, the middle is a Gemini with a Pisces moon Libra rising? Yeah. Oh my God. I don't know if I would like that person, but I love <laughs> the show. You would love that person hole. You would. Actually, they're my soulmate. Yeah. I'm going to miss this so much. <laughs> You've been listening to The Middle with your host, Holly Party and Jordana Levine. Next week is our last episode. I cannot even believe it. It's going to be Christmas themed. The whole episode is going to be Christmas themed. Well, Christmas Reco, well, Christmas Celeb Natal Chart. I mean, Santa Claus. Who are we going to do? Who are we going to do? We'll figure it out. <laughs> um, we are not closing The Middle Facebook group, so that community will still exist. So if you are not part of that community, yet uh just search the middle podcast on facebook and it will come up and join introduce yourself and if you want to comment on old episodes or new we would love to hear from you um the instagram middle account what are we going to do with that hole i think we're going to close it i think we're going to close it too but if you want to hang around for another week with us on there just go and like every photo (laughs) the underscore middle underscore podcast Until next week, the final week of the middle. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 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 Mm.